I am really enjoying these testimonies and I'm enjoying the service as well. God is here and you are here. That makes all the difference that you are here and God is here. The most important thing that's going on in the world right now is for you is right here to be in God's presence and to listen to his voice and to receive from him what he wants. Please turn to John chapter 15. Just, I was just thinking, um, I think a lot during the service. I try to think about things that has to do with the service, not just anything else. But I was just thinking about how someday the Bible says everyone will stand before him. And there will also be those in the joy of heaven, enjoying the joy of heaven from every tribe. From every tribe, the Bible says. Tribe is another fancy word for a family. You know, you're a larger family, your cousins and aunts and uncles, and it just keeps going and going until pretty soon there's thousands and thousands over time. But, um, <clears throat> but what a beautiful thing to see people worshiping the Lord and from different tribes. And, um, you know, in our United States is a unique country because most, every, most people speak English here in the United States. Uh, but not everyone is English or from England, all right? That's what English means. Is it's the language from England. There are a whole lot of nations and, and tribes and family groups represented in the United States. And I have the privilege of, of being with another beautiful tribe as well. I don't know. Maybe there's more than one tribe represented here. I don't know. Uh, but it's going to be wonderful when we hear all the different nations in their own language, all the different tribes in their own language, Worshiping Jesus someday. And that's going to be glorious and beautiful. I want to be there. I don't want to miss it. Oh, God, help me. Help me not to miss it. And he'll keep us. He'll help us. He'll take us through if we let him. We ask him. He will. He wants you to make it. He wants me to make it. He wants you to make it to heaven someday more than we want to. And he's going to do more than we do, I believe. He's already done more than we do. So you think, well, I don't know. I feel sort of weak. I feel like a failure. Well, I want you to know something. God is on your side. Yes, he is. And if God is for you, who could be against you? He's going to take us through. Right. Yes, amen. Hallelujah. John chapter 15, and let's ask God to bless the word as we read it together. There's a lot here, and I want God to guide us on what he wants for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the word of God that we're going to read. Your word. Your word is wonderful. Your words will never fail. They're for all time. They're eternal words, and they transform our lives when we meditate on them and when we receive your word. Help us to receive your word. And we ask, blessed Holy Spirit, that you would, that you would take your word and apply it to us. God, I could share things, but it's just words. But when you share things to our hearts, when you open up our, the eyes of our understanding, when you open up our spirits to receive what you have, when you help us to open up to you, our lives are changed, our lives are transformed, and all because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. When, when you shed your blood for us, that we might be changed, forgiven, transformed, have a new heart, clean hands, and a pure heart. We ask you to do that for us today. Open our hearts to what you have and transform us and our homes by your power and dwell in us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I was trying to figure out what to do here because I know there's several verses we want to read. I don't plan to read the whole chapter, 
But I want to read several verses. So if you have your Bibles with you, and I know there's some in the front of, um, we're going to read out of John chapter 15, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John in the New Testament, John chapter 15, and we're not going to read the whole chapter, just several verses. I think rather than doing responsibly, me and then you, me and you, I think we'll just read it together. And if you feel comfortable, you could read in your voice aloud as I read as well. We'll try to stay together that way. But first, before we read there, I want to read one verse out of 14, John 14, 27. And that is, peace I leave with you. My peace, Jesus is speaking here in all that we read. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, what Jesus is sharing here, what we're going to read, is sandwiched between two sad news, two pieces of sad news from Jesus Christ. One, before we read chapter 15, Jesus has said, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to leave you. Jesus was their very best friend. And they had been, they had, for years, the, the, uh, the Jews had been oppressed by the government of Rome and it was unjust. It was, they, were, they were cruel. They were wicked. They were, uh, and the Jews were being oppressed by them. And so the Jews for years have been thinking a Messiah is going to come. The, the Jewish, the disciples of Jesus Christ recognized that Jesus is the Messiah. And so they got their hopes up. They thought, well, maybe Jesus is going to save us from Rome. Well, Jesus came to save us from much more than any empire. He came to save us from our sins. So the fact that he said, I'm going to leave you is like, what? This is, this is discouraging. And then he tells us after John, after the verse we read, a little shortly after, he says, not only am I going to leave you, but they're going to persecute you too. They treated me wrong. Basically, they're going to kill me and they're going to mistreat you too. So they had a double whammy of bad news. I'm going to leave you. And they're going to treat you badly. They're going to persecute you. But he tells us these words of comfort in the middle of it all. John chapter 15, let's read verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean to the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me. And I and you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. 
Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. We'll stop there. Now, I know that uh, I understand dry country. This is some dry country around us, and if you're used to it. When I lived in Arizona, we sent picture. We took a family picture out in uh, south of Phoenix, out in the desert, for Christmas, and sent it to our friends back east. And they one one person said, "How can you stand that? It's ugly." Now <clears throat> we didn't think so. We thought it was beautiful. That's why we took the picture in the, in the desert and sent it to our friends back east. But they didn't understand it because that's all they know is the green. <clears throat> now I also recognize that where we live, and you know this more than I know because we've been out of this a while, but when you plant something, you have to really, uh, for a good while, you have to be giving it water. You have to watch it when it's hot, when it's dry, and you really have to treasure it. Now, <clears throat> here we're talking about vines, okay? And um, Jesus it gives us the application we just read here about him being the vine and us being branches and that we are to bear fruit. And you all know much more than people back east probably about how much work it takes to get a vine to bear fruit. <clears throat> now, you would, some people wouldn't think so, but just not too far down the road, I think it was a few hours down the road, maybe just a couple hours, we saw, or right near Albuquerque, we saw advertisement uh, signs for vineyards, for a vineyard. Someone around here is growing, growing grapes. And you probably know where they are. I don't know. I'm new, new around here. But, um, <clears throat> but it takes a lot of work. Now, the person who takes care of these, as we saw here, is called a husbandman. A husbandman is someone who takes care of, of vines who is going to produce fruit, that's going to produce fruit, or fruit trees and so forth. Now, I like, I like um, trying to be a husbandman. I'm not very good at it, okay? I planted a few fruit trees in my life. When we, when we lived down in Phoenix, I planted, I think I counted 30-something or 40-something different vines and trees and so forth at my parents' house where we were at, we're at the church, and some are still growing today. Some have died, um, mainly citrus and vines down there, uh, grapevines. But then since we moved to Ohio, now we're in Ohio, I've planted some, several apple trees. I planted um, some other things as well, uh, some berries and so forth. And I used to think that, that you just plant it, especially if you're in an area where it's green and it rains, you just plant it and there you go. That's all you have to do. It grows. So I was really happy when we... Had a place to plant some stuff in Ohio. I thought, I'm going to plant it, and here we go. In a few years, we're going to have all kinds of fruit. We'll be, this is going to be nice. God will send the rain. It rains a lot down, down over there, and, and I'll just enjoy the fruit. But I realized that no matter where you are, it takes a lot of work. Where we are, we got a lot of caterpillars, butterflies and moths and so forth. And so I planted three cherry trees, and I was so happy. And you have to be out there about every two days. Same way with your tomatoes out there. You have to be out there every two days and looking at it real good because you might miss a caterpillar or something. And before you know it, it's covered with caterpillars. I think it was a few days and I wasn't out by the cherry trees looking at it. And one day I went out there and one cherry tree was bald. Just 
dry branches. The, the caterpillars had come and stripped it clean. There went that cherry tree, and then I was left with two. Um, and so it takes a lot of work. Now, um, I tried to save a little work, and I planted my trees on a hillside, and I've learned that it takes work because on the hillside, the water runs away. It stays dry, so i got to water it more. So no matter what you do, you got to work. Um, I was trying to save from mowing on the hillside. I figured the trees are covered up. No matter what, I do, what you do, it takes a lot of work. I remember listening to a guy talk about, he was a husband and he had a, he had a vineyard, 40 something acres, at least 40 acres, might've been 42 acres, I think it was. And he said, it takes so much work. And approximately uh, every, more or less every five or six feet, he had a, he had a, uh, a grapevine in rows. You know how they grow. And then about every, approximately every eight feet, Apart, there was another row. Imagine that going for acres and acres. How many vines? He said, there's so much work. He's so busy. He's constantly looking for people to help him out <coughs> because there's so much work. So you have the work, of course, when it's hot, you have to make sure it's getting enough water so it doesn't dry up. And then when it's cold, in the old days, nowadays he's put out sprinkler systems, I believe, but when, in the old days, you would have smudge pots and they would make smoke. They'd burn smoke in the night and you would have a bunch of smoke and that would somehow keep the frost away. Um, I think the, the coal would settle in and sort of keep that smoke around and it would help. <clears throat> so a lot of work, whether it's cold or hot, he said you have to constantly be breaking off extra buds. They know how many buds and how many feet of vine will grow how many pounds of grapes, uh, the, according to the variety. So they have it down to a science. I think... They could get a grapevine maybe growing 40 pounds or more of grapes if they do it right. Um, maybe 40 to 60 pounds. And so he's constantly breaking off the branches they don't need, trimming it off. And then the branches that are growing that they do want, you, you don't want too many runners off that because it saps the strength away from the vines. So a lot of work, a lot of knowledge, and a lot of care. And, but I want you to know something that God is, you, we are part, uh, a part of the vine Christ is the vine and God is the husbandman and he's taking care of us. I thought about that. Every day God takes care of us. There are things that we've prayed about and we've earnestly prayed, God have mercy and just in time, God has mercy and helps us. How many times has God helped us and helped you? He's been so good to us. Now it doesn't mean we don't have any problems. Everyone has problems because we're living on the sinful earth. Sin entered into the earth. And God warned, God warned Adam and Eve, don't sin. And they did it anyway. So that causes thorns and problems and caterpillars to kill your cherry trees. And, and, um, and grapevines that dry up from not enough water. That's all caused by sin. So we have problems in this world. <clears throat> but I will tell you one thing, and you all know this. God loves you. He cares. And he is out there watching caring for us, and if we'll wait on him, and if we'll take time for him, he'll reach down and help us time after time. Yes. He looks after us. He cares for us. We're like a, a special vine or a special plant. It reminds me of Isaiah chapter 27, verse 2 and 3. He said, In that day, seeing ye unto her a vineyard of red wine, a vineyard of red wine, the I, the Lord, I, the Lord, do keep it. I will water it every moment, lest any hurt it. I will keep it night and day. The vineyard is God's people, God's church. He said he waters, he'll, he keeps it. He waters every moment. He's watching lest anyone heard it. He keeps it night and day. And it brings forth red wine. 
red, beautiful grape juice. We are God's vine. We are God's vineyard. Um, So we could talk a lot about vines, but there's several things we want to to get into. But I do want to say one thing is that man that I heard talking, he was talking about having uh, the vineyard and a a large vineyard, and he was talking about how much work it takes. Now, I don't really tell people I'm a husband because I don't do a very good job. But someone that calls himself a husband, husband and they want to do a good job because they're known for that. No one's going to want to buy from their vineyard if they're not doing a good job. And so it, maybe got, it got me to thinking, if God is the, the husband and I'm the one who's to bear fruit, I don't want to reflect badly on our, on our husband. I want to do a good job so that, so that when Satan comes around, remember when Satan came around back in Job's day? Uh, God told Satan, have you seen my servant Job? Have you considered him? How he stays away from evil and he serves me and he's faithful. And Satan says, yeah, but you're blessing him. And God says, well, you can do whatever you want to him. Just don't take your life. And he'll still stay faithful. And so Satan tried to get Job to quit and Job stayed faithful. And that was before Jesus died on the cross. That was before the, the era of grace. Satan, um, Job stayed faithful. <clears throat> And how much more can we with the cross, with the grace of Jesus Christ and the grace and the Holy Spirit work in our life, stay faithful. But, but what I was getting at with Job is he made, he didn't reflect badly on God. And we as a church are a part of God's vineyard. And I want God to be able to think, you know, Satan, you could do whatever you want. He's not going to fail. I'm going to take care of him too. And God could, could uh, make us an example for, the other pe- for other people around us to want to come to Christ. I think about my parents. My parents, my dad's a mechanic and carpenter. He was never, he was never a fancy preacher, if, if a preacher's fancy. Uh, he was uh, never anybody, you know, he, he wasn't some Bible college president or a fancy politician or no one. He never had a lot of money. And he just uh, wore his jeans and his work shoes and... And went to work every day and, and, um, and got greasy working on cars. And, and my mom, she could sing, but she really wasn't really talented, but she loved us. And um, I think about, you know, as I'm not trying to brag about my parents. I'm just saying, as I look back at the life, they're getting near the end of the life. There are several people that will drive, that have driven clear across the country to go see them. They want to go to their house and, and talk to them. I've seen people come from different states. And why did they come across the country to see my parents? Is it because my parents are talented? No, because they're really not super talented. Is it because my parents are beautiful and handsome? No, because they're, they've lost all that. They're, they're, they're older now. <laughs> and uh, why is it? It's because they love Jesus. And when these people that drive across the country... They're not even Christians. They'll come and say, can we stay at your house tonight? We want to stay there for a couple days. We want to come visit you. They're not even Christians. And why do they want to come? Because they love Jesus and people love to be around people that show God's love to them. I know I'm getting distracted, but I wanted to say we want to reflect good. We want to reflect well on our husbandmen. And I know that doesn't come from us trying harder. It comes from us leaning harder on Jesus. It comes from us leaning harder on Jesus. So real quickly here. We want to notice a, a, few, a quick few things. I want to notice about um, the, the, the fact that we are in Christ, okay? We are in Christ, and I'll explain that in a little bit. The fact that we, how we can continue in Christ, and then finally, 
how we are when we're in Christ. But first, let's look at some definitions. Uh, At least one definition, and that is this. It talks about that we are to bear fruit. Verse 2 says that every branch of me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it. All right? Or uh, in another language, you could say he cleans it. He works with it. That it can bring more fruit. So what is fruit if we are to bring fruit? All right? Very simply, in the most simple terms, it's self-growth. All right? Very, very simply, self-growth. How do we know that? It's self-growth. It's more than just me getting better. Let's say, um, I don't know, getting to where I could be a better mechanic. All right? It's more than that. It's more than being able to do more push-ups today than I did last year. All right. It's better. It's more than um, when I say self-growth, it's it's more than that. I'm talking self-growth in Christ. Okay, so let's go to um, Galatians five. You don't have to look it up, but Galatians five, 22 and twenty three. It's saying we don't want to have the works of the flesh or sins, but it says, but the fruit of the spirit is remember the fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, it comes from the Spirit of God. We have fruit when we choose to put our lives in His hands and surrender to Him, and He'll give us fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, God's Spirit, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, all right, these are all, this is what we're, when we're saying fruit, when God wants fruit, this is what we're talking about, growing in these things. And remember, these are things that comes from God. It's not by struggling harder that we get more fruit. It's by, maybe, as I said, trusting more, leaning harder on Him. <clears throat> a lot of people are intimidated because they, say, they think, you know, I'm just not a good Christian. I'm just not a strong person like she is or he is. <clears throat> Pardon me. So they think, they get intimidated and think, you know, I'm, I just can't be a good Christian because I'm not like he is or she is. You don't understand. Jesus said that I haven't come to call the, those that are whole, I've come to call those that are sick. All right? It's, Jesus didn't come for those that are strong. He came for those that are weak. He didn't come for those that have it all together. He came for those that are hungry for him and that, and to, that have a desire to make him happy. <clears throat> Because he came and there were Pharisees. They, they supposedly had it all together. They knew the word of God. You know, they were doctors of the word of God. They were doctors of the law. You had all these people that had studied, and, but yet they hated Christ. All right? He said, you're blind. He said, I haven't come for the... He, he said, you think you see, but I've come for those that are blind, that feel blind. Those that realize that they need sight. And so you think, if you think, you know, I just don't have it together, then that's who Jesus has come for. That's who can bear fruit. Those who could do better today than they did yesterday because you're leaning on Him. You're leaning on Him. So God wants you to bear fruit. And um, we could talk about other fruit. Um, children, the Bible calls children fruit, but you don't have to have children to make it to heaven. All right? So that's not a, a mandatory fruit. Also, the Bible talks about winning souls is, is also fruitfulness. He, when his soul is wise, the fruit of the righteous is the tree of life. So 
Turning, helping people to turn to Jesus and believe on Jesus is also fruitfulness. <clears throat> but again, I don't believe that you have to be able to pray a prayer with someone and see them say, I believe on Jesus Christ, my personal Savior, to be able to make it to heaven. These are, this is fruitfulness that comes out of a life of fruit of the Spirit with time and God's time. So fruitfulness, he says we have to bear fruit. And we will if we're in him. The fruit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Which is, temperance is self-control. So I want to move on quickly. Let's notice. So we're, our position is that we are in Christ. We're attached to the vine. <clears throat> the other day I was preaching, or actually it's been some months back, I was preaching a Spanish message for our people in Colombia. I, we, I, we were missionaries also to South America and Colombia. And so I was in Argentina. I was preaching a message and I took and went out back and we have some wild vine trees, wild vine branches in our wild vines in our in our yard. So for the message, I broke off a wild vine, brought it in and started recording. And it, when I brought it in, as soon as I broke it off and brought it, it was it, it had strength and just held up like this. In just a few minutes in the message, I could hold it up and it was already wilted. It was already sagging just a few minutes from being detached from the vine. And of course, if I'd have kept it, it had just kept gotten hard and crispy. It would have been dried out. But in just a few minutes, it was already wilted from being detached from the vine. We have to stay with Christ. We have to keep leaning on Christ if we want life because He's our life. Right. He's our life. The sap, the life of the vine flows from Christ into us. Um, and our Father, He's the one who takes care of us. Jesus Christ is the true vine because a lot of fake out there. Jesus is the true vine and we are the branches. Through him we bear fruit, verse two. And also, we also want to notice something. If we're a, if we're a branch in him, um, verse two says, verse three says, now you are clean, all right? And if you're clean and if you bear fruit, he's gonna purge you. He's gonna cleanse you. He's gonna make you more clean, <clears throat> So if we're part of Christ, we've been cleaned up, all right? He forgave us of our sins. Um, if you are forgiven of your, of your sins, if, Christ, if you have asked Christ to come into your heart, to forgive you of your sins, to make you his child, then you're a part of the vine. And if you're part of the vine, he keeps you clean. And if you're part of the vine and clean, he's going to make you more clean. <laughs> Do you see the verse one and two? He says, if, if you bear fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. I want to just take a little tiny detour right here to say something. <clears throat> when we are born into this world, we are born sinners. All right? Adam and Eve sinned, and we're children of Adam and Eve. We're all related. All right? Doesn't matter what tribe, what nationality, whatever someone might be. We're, we all share the same grandparents, Adam and Eve. God made them. God created them. They are the parents of all mankind. And God told them you could eat of every tree in the garden, but this one tree, that's the tree of the, um, the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of that. All right? And it wasn't just a little garden. It was a big garden. It had seven rivers flowing through it. If you read the book of Genesis, seven rivers. So this is probably like the land of Eden. All right? This was a big place, like maybe what we call a state or bigger. And he said you could eat of everything but this one tree. Of course, if you tell a child don't touch it, and they, you can touch anything you want in this house, just don't touch that. What are they going to want to do? <laughs> All right, and that's what sin are. Adam and Eve didn't have any sin. They were born, they were, God made them perfect. They didn't have sin. But if they, being made perfect, 
could choose to sin, how much more we who are born of sinner parents can also choose to sin. So we are born with sin. God knew that. And he already planned. He already planned our salvation because he loves us. He decided he was going to send the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. The Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world means that in the very beginning, he had already chose, once they sin, I know they're going to do it, but once they do, I'm going to provide my son as a lamb that they could be brought back to God, that they could be restored to my fellowship. They, could, they don't have to die in their sin. They don't have to, when I say die, eternal death, uh, be separated from God eternally in hell, but they could be in eternal life in heaven. <clears throat> they could be restored to fellowship with me. <clears throat> and so God chose from the very beginning to allow his son to die for our sins. And when we choose to put our faith in him as our savior, our sins are forgiven. When we say, Lord, God, I want you to be my God. I want you to, to tell me what to do. I want you to be the, the chief, the boss, the, the Lord of my life. I want to be yours. I want to follow you. You be my shepherd. I'm going to be your sheep. And I want to hear your voice and follow you. When we, when we turn to God, say, God, take whatever's not of, whatever you don't like in my life and change it and make me new, make me yours. He does. For Jesus Christ's sake, when we're serious, when we're really serious, we want to be his child. We want to have our sins forgiven. He will forgive us. He does. But then he also says, <clears throat> we, we are not only born sinners and he has to forgive us of those sins. He also wants to cleanse us from the nature that we're born with, that tendency to keep going towards sin again. All right? God puts us on the right path. We just want to have that tendency of going off the path. We have that tendency. If we're not careful, God wants to, God wants to cleanse us. He says, uh, he that bears fruit, all right, he, you are clean, and he that bears fruit, he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. We could go in, and I know I'm getting a sidetrack here, but it's very important. He wants to, now that forgive us, he wants to, to make us as clean as possible. As clean as his blood can make us. And he wants to keep us clean. And he wants to keep us growing in him. And hearing his voice and following him. Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. To be able to, to, be able to restore us to God. Forgive us of our sins. And to make us as clean as God can make us. And that's perfectly clean. As clean as God can make us. All powerful God can make us perfectly clean. I want, to, I want to insert here before we move on. Please don't let the devil lie to you. Or don't lie to yourself and say, you know, I just can't make it. I just can't be a Christian. God is all powerful. He can take you through. We just got to ask him. I'm going to really quickly move on. Because I, I want to stress something here before we close. The way we stay in Christ is just keep resting in him. Verse 10, keep my commandments. If you keep my commandments, you shall stay or live, abide. You will abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Abide is a fancy word for to dwell there. All right? We say the place of my abode is my home, where I live, where I dwell. So we can abide in his love if we keep his commandments. Keep and you say, you know, if you're having a struggle keeping God's commandments, ask God. He'll help you. Yes, he we limit God. Later on, one of, the answers, one of the things that happen when we abide in him is answered prayer. Verse uh, 7, he said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. 
So if we don't, if we're not, if we lack, if we lack something, or if we feel like we're, we just can't do something, or if we feel like God requires of, of us something that we just can't fulfill, we need to ask him, say, God, will you help me with this? Will you help me with this and help us? I feel like I have such little faith. Over and over again, I get overwhelmed in life with different things. And God reminds me, you need to ask me. I'll help you. I'll help you. Sometimes it's, um, it's with people, all right? In my, my line of work, my responsibility, I'm, I'm in charge of helping people, all right? Um, and so sometimes I start getting down because I just don't see the progress I want to see in the lives. Well, sometimes it's the way we are. Do you ever get discouraged over people? Yeah. All right, you think, man, I just wish they'd do better. They keep failing. Well, God tries to remind me, Philip, my name's Philip. Philip, you need to ask. Ask and I'll answer your prayer. Yes. He says, what do he say here? You shall ask what you will. If you abide in me, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. <laughs> Doesn't always happen immediately or very quickly, but it will happen if I ask him and keep asking him. Sometimes our problems are, well, this isn't the problem, but sometimes we have problems with finances, right? Hey, well, I just don't have the money. I got this bill coming up and I don't have any money. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Well, let me, let me encourage you, ask. Ask God for help, all right? Now I recognize we don't wanna get so caught up that all we're asking for is money. But if you have a need, you can ask him. He's your father. If one of my children has a need, and they talk to me about it, and it's a need. I'm going to do what I can to, to change the situation. But I'm an earthly father. I can't do everything. But God is our heavenly father. He could do anything. So if I'm an earthly father, I want to help my child when they ask me something. How much more will our heavenly father, your heavenly father, want to help you and help you? Because he loves you. So we can ask him. And so sometimes it's, sometimes we're asking him for things like that. All right. But we, also, we, have, we all have things we need to ask him for. We mentioned family members. I heard a lot of people praying for your family. That's a wonderful thing to pray for. Yes. <clears throat> My mother was um, raised in an alcoholic home. And so um, we all know what that, what that means. A lot of suffering, a lot of sadness, a lot of um, discouragement and difficulty as a little girl and her, and her siblings. And, um, but thankfully, my mother started going to a church like this. It wasn't a big church. It was a church in Phoenix. And um, she started going there and, and continued going there. And she had ups and downs as a young person, but she kept going to church. And she became a Christian. She asked God to forgive, us, forgive her of her sins and Jesus Christ forgave her of her sins. And then she married my daddy. And, um, and I know as a little boy, I'm 50 now, so it's been years, all right? As a little boy, I remember my mother, we, as we pray. Go to, before we go to bed, my mother would say, okay, have your prayers. And she would encourage us not only to pray for my dad and my mom and my brother and I, we'd pray for ourselves, all right? But also pray for your grandpa and grandma and uncle so-and-so and aunt so-and-so and each one. There was five, there were the, um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I think she was a family of seven or eight. Um, <clears throat> so we pray for each one of the uncles and the aunt that doesn't know Jesus Christ yet. And... The uncles and aunts, by that time, they were drug addicts and, and the lives were wrecked already. Drug addicts and drunk. And um, it's just sad. It was sad. But every day we'd pray. And so I'm, I'm 50 now. And my whole life, we've been praying for my grandpa and grandma and my 
my mother's brothers and sister. And do you realize one by one over the years, we've been seeing them pray and turn to Jesus Christ. Now, it wasn't this great transformational thing to write, wow, instantly they're circuit writing preacher, traveling around the United States preaching evangelism. No, it wasn't anything like that. But it was little by little. They start softening up. Then we, every, then we, before you can even talk about God to them, you know, they were just hard. They didn't want anything. They were just doing that, the drug scene, the bar scene all the time. Little by little, they started listening when you say something about God. And then later, they're requesting prayer. <laughs> and then later, they're, and um, now my aunt, her life was completely wrecked. And now every morning she gets up and before she goes to work, she's a nurse now, she will read her Bible and pray. Hallelujah. That's a complete transformation because that wasn't what it used to be. So what am I saying? I'm saying don't get discouraged praying for your family. Every day ask God, God, save my family. Lord, help them to turn to God. Don't get discouraged about your children. I can tell you stories of parents that look like their children were hopeless, but mom or dad kept praying and their, and their children came to God. And I can tell you stories. I just told you one of, da- of a daughter who prayed for her parents. And they've come to God. And so God answers prayer. But we have to remember that. Satan will say, oh, he's, God's not listening to you. He doesn't listen to your prayers. You might as well quit praying. Get you discouraged. Get you think you, get, and then you stay out of church because you're so discouraged. God wants to answer your prayers. He loves you. And he uses you and I to do great things by asking him. I don't know how that works, but he chooses to use your prayers and my prayers to, do his, to build his kingdom. So we could ask for, we could pray for each one in our home, in our family members. We could pray for our church. What a beautiful church. I love this church. I hope the Lord lets me come back in someday. But we could pray for our church, our churches. And not just your own church, pray for the church of your community too, because they're all struggling as well to pray for different ones. God wants to answer our prayers. We can pray for our, the different nations. Pray for your leaders. Pray for the tribal leaders as well. Yes. Right? They, they need your prayers. They may not, and I don't know how the tribal leaders are because I don't follow that, but I do know how our politicians are in, our, in, in Washington, D.C., and they really need some prayers. <laughs> All right? They have a lot of problems. They're not, they, they, really have, they really cause problems too. <clears throat> so we, they need our prayers. The Bible says the heart of the king is in his hands. The heart of the king is in God's hands and he turneth it whithersoever he will. It means that they may think they're doing their own thing, but if we pray, God can take whatever they're doing and direct it for the good of the church. So pray for our, the nations. Pray for the nations. Pray for um, that God would raise up more help. All right? And I was just talking to Brother Archibald, Archibald earlier about dear Brother uh, French. And who used to work here, Brother Ward. That was his first name, right? Brother Ward French. And what a beautiful thing. God wants to raise up more. All right? God wants more. We need to pray that God would raise up laborers. Yes. And I know as well, I think about different ones. I have different friends that are, that are preaching and so forth. And uh, indigenous people too. I think about the Hoopers. All right? And others. There's others as well. So pray that God continues to raise up more workers because a lot of people that need Jesus. Yes. A lot of people that need Jesus. And then wherever you are, you could be a worker. Right. All right? You don't have to be able to preach up front to be a worker, but you could say, I'll pray for you. All right? I'm gonna, we're going to pray for you at church. And you could show them love and you could invite them to church sometimes too. Right. Um, 
Sorry. Now, I'm going to quickly read a few things here, things that happen when we're in Christ, okay? I um, skipped over a whole bunch. And um, this is just a beautiful chapter. First of all, when we're in Christ, we have peace. Verse 27, John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. And we have peace because we're justified by faith. We have peace with our Lord Jesus Christ. And um, to be spiritually minded is life and peace, the Bible says. And great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. In other words, if you love the Bible, you're going to have peace. And also we see that Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God that pass all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds to our Lord Jesus Christ. And Colossians 3, 15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That means if something's going to rob your peace, don't do it. Let the peace of God rule. And the peace of God will keep, keep your minds and hearts in Christ Jesus. Remember, Jesus Christ is the prince of, prince of peace. Wherever Jesus Christ reigns, if he reigns in my heart, he's going to give me peace. If he reigns across our nation, he's going to give peace. So we pray for him to rule and reign because he's the prince of peace. Then we have, not only do we have peace, but we also have answered prayer. And we already noticed that in verse 7. If you abide in me, you shall ask what you will. Every time you pray, remember that Jesus is praying with you. He's interceding. It's fun. It's not, sometimes it's difficult to pray alone, but it's also fun to pray in a church like this. And everybody around you is praying. But when you're all alone at your place, wherever you live, or in your car driving, or, or, or walking down the road, wherever you might be, you remember when you pray, Jesus is praying with you. He's your prayer partner. He said that um, he, is a, he is living to intercede for us. Okay, so not only do we have answers to prayer, but we also have love. 9 and 10, we abide in love. Verses 9 and 10. We abide in love. Notice what blessings come out of love. We're loved of God. When we're abiding in love, God loves us. Jesus shows himself to us. He manifests himself to us. That's what that means, where it says that. The Father and Son comes to us and shows himself, shows himself to us. We might not get to see them with our eyes like this until we get to heaven, but we could be with them. And then God comes into our life and helps us. Now move on. Another thing that happens when we're abiding in Christ is we, are, we have joy. And remember, only God can give joy. Verse, verse 11 says, These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. The world has an imitation of joy and that's uh, using substances to mind their minds and their hearts so they don't feel the pain. That's a, that's a cheap, it's a false imitation of joy. The world has a fake joy, which is maybe pleasures, entertainments, and parties. And they don't last very long at all. And usually the next morning, by the next morning, it's just, it's, there's an emptiness there. But when Jesus comes into our life, we have a joy. It might not be a jumping up and down type joy always, but it's something that's there that helps us through the hard times and lets us know that God is pleased with us. And then we can also have those times of fullness of joy when we're in God's special presence. Now, and another thing we have as well is we become friends of God when we abide in Christ. Verses 14 and 15. Ye are my friends if you do whatever I command you, whatsoever I have commanded you. Henceforth I call you not servants or slaves, for the servant knoweth not what, the, what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Friends, talk. When you're a special friend, a lot of times you want to call your friend or talk to your friend first before anyone else tells them because they're your friend. And he says, I have called you friends. And the things that God has shown me, my father has shown me, I want to tell you and show you. 
and because you're my friends. He's, we're not God's slaves. We're his friends when we abide in Christ. He's our friend. <clears throat> and then another thing that happens, finally, the final thing that happens when we, when we abide in Christ, there's more, but I, this is the final thing we'll look at that happens when we abide in Christ, is that our fruit will remain. Again, what's fruit? Fruit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control, so forth. That remains. And also, it's, it, the, the abiding presence of God's life, His Spirit in us, will remain. And if we're, whatever we're doing, if we're doing according to His will, that will remain, whether working with people. If you prayed, you prayed, and you prayed, and one of your children finally come to God, that's fruit, and God can keep that remaining. You pray and pray and pray, and one of your parents or one of your relatives start seeking after God, and they, they want to please the Lord and, and do God's will. You could pray that that will remain, and God can keep it remaining because it's, it's fruit in Him. Someday, everything's going to go, everything that we see with our eyes are, are, is going to be changed. It's going to pass. Um, the first time that this world was destroyed, it happened with water. We know that happened. I, you go on some of the tallest mountains, way up in Ohio, way in, in, inland from the ocean. You could be at you know, six, 700 feet elevation and you see seashells when you dig down to the ground. Where do those seashells come from? There used to be a flood. All right, you go up and, uh, and you see fossils thousands of feet up in the mountains. Where'd that come from? From the flood. Well, God says that someday everything will be changed with fire. Um, 1 Corinthians th- uh, 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verses uh, 10, I think it is. There it is. According to the grace of God, okay, take heed, let every man take heed how he builds this foundation that we lay the foundation on Christ. For if any man build upon this foundation, now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest. It will be shown for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Uh, all through the scripture it says the, that there's going to be fire come someday. The, the, those who are in Christ don't have to worry. Remember um, Noah? He was in the ark. He was in the ark. He, came, he entered through the door. He was in the ark. When the flood came, he didn't have to worry. And Christ is the door, and if we're in Christ, we don't have to worry. I don't know how it's going to work out, but we don't have to worry. But we want to lay such a foundation with our life that, it's, that the fire doesn't destroy it. I don't know how it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be natural fire that we see like, like a, a mega volcano. All right? I don't know. I don't know if it's going to come out of the ground. I don't know if it's going to rain down from heaven. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to be. And I don't know when it's going to be. It could be next year. It could be a thousand years from now. We don't know all that. But I do want to live in such a way that when time is no more, when time is over, that the work of God in my life and the prayers that I prayed stand firm and doesn't pass away with fire. And when you pray for your family, when you pray for your church, when you pray for those around you, when you pray for the needs around you, when you pray for for a revival, for, for God to call, raise up laborers, for God to help your loved ones to follow Christ. You're laying a good foundation. You're laying a very good foundation. What else can you do? 
That's the way you lay a foundation is by crying out to God. And then when you walk after him, when you're, he's your shepherd and you're walking after him and you have, um, he's the, he's the, you're the sheep and you're following after him. You're laying a good foundation when you're following after him. And you don't have to worry when all this comes to, when all this comes to pass, whatever it happens. We're living in a world that's changing and we can rest in him. So remember, in, in conclusion, God wants fruit. God wants fruit. As you work in, as you um, <clears throat> labor through him, with his, as he works his fruit in your life, he's going to keep you. He's going to bless you. He's going to use you. And he'll use you in ways you never dreamed. You might not see it now, but someday when you get to heaven, you'll be able to hear his voice say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over much. Rule over many things. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of, of God that we <clears throat> looked at today. Lord, you see that um, there was a lot here in your word and we just did, hit, hit a few highlights off of it. Lord, we jumped around and hit a few highlights. But Lord, we ask you would help your word to, to influence us, to transform us, to cleanse our way, to lead us. And then, Lord, finally, also, Lord, we ask that you would help each one here to love your word. Oh, God, help us to learn to love your word. Lord, to, to shut off the things that would distract us and to get into your word and read and to grow and to be developed by Jesus Christ and to be transformed by the renewing of the word, by the washing of the word, we pray. Thank you for each one here. Thank you for this beautiful church. We tried to speak and share what you've laid on our hearts. Help us, Lord, to be asking you for large things and to continue to abide in Christ and stay faithful in you. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.